We are entering this new series, and it's called Five Stones. And the first one we're going to address is um, a stone of presence. And as um, uh, Zach mentioned, that this is kind of follows um, this stone we find in Jacob's story, the patriarch Jacob. And this is in Genesis chapter 28 is where this is found. Um, but to kind of give a little backdrop, we have to kind of understand who Jacob is. Jacob is a character. He is a, um, let's just say he's a character. He, he was a twin, born a twin, he and his brother Esau. Esau was the firstborn. He came, uh, was born first, and, and Jacob was born second. And he, he's called Jacob because he's the heel grabber, and he is held, home, held on to Esau's uh, heel, his ankle, as he comes, as, as Esau's born. Here comes Jacob hanging on. And Jacob becomes his mother's favorite. And that begins to play a part. Esau is out in the fields. He, he likes to hunt. He wants to be outdoors. He's that, um, I, don't, I don't even know what kind of character you'd call Esau. He's, he's, he's a man's man. And he's out there um, working with the animals, working in the fields, hunting, doing all those kinds of things. And um, Jacob's more than content to stay close to home, um, watching Netflix and those kinds of things, hanging out in, near the kitchen. Um, and... At one point in time in his story with he and Esau, um, he tricks Esau into giving his birthright away. Esau's the firstborn. That comes with significant privilege and power. Um, this is a position, a desired position to be the firstborn in the family because you're, you're, you're going to get the greatest, the, the, the biggest portion of the household, of your father's, the inheritance is going to go to you. I mean, by far and away, the largest portion is going to go to the firstborn. And it becomes the firstborn's responsibility to take on the household and continue the household and the name and the family forward. Jacob tricks Esau out of that. Esau comes in from one of his hunting trips out from the field, and he's hungry. He's very hungry. And Jacob has a little stew he's made up. And he's watching Netflix, eating his stew, and Esau comes in and says, I, I'm hungry, I've been out all day, I need something to eat. And Jacob says, well, if you'll, uh, I'll get, I got this really good, it's delicious, you can smell it, it's wonderful, and I'll give you a little a cup of my stew if you'll just give me your birthright. I'll, I'll do that for you. It's an even trade, cup of stew for your birthright. Esau says, sure, that sounds like a good trade. And that's what they do. Now he has the birthright. Later, he tricks his father, Isaac, to give him the blessing, the firstborn's blessing. And this seals and ratifies everything. And he does that by putting on a skin, a hairy skin of an animal, because Esau is hairy and Jacob was not. So he puts on this skin, he goes in, he lets his father fill him, and he thinks, oh, Esau... It's, um, it feels like you, it smells like you, um, it's good to see you, my boy. Isaac had grown blind, um, nearly blind. Couldn't tell it was Jacob in an animal skin. And he blesses Jacob with the firstborn blessing. Well, Esau finds out about it. Now he's lost everything. He's lost his birthright, he's lost a blessing. He has nothing now. And he's, he's a little upset. He's pretty, mad, he's pretty mad about it. To the point he says, I'm going to kill him. He's so angry, I'm going to kill my brother Jacob. 
Well, Esau's mother hears this and says, um, Jacob, you need to leave town. You need to leave here, and you need to go to, um, you need to, go to my, my, where I'm from. You need to go find my, my uncle. Go find Uncle Laban and live with him. He'll take care of you. He'll protect you. And um, I won't tell your brother where you are. He won't hurt you. Just go away and be safe. Find a wife from my family. And so that's what Jacob does. And this is the journey that Jacob enters. And this is where we find Jacob in chapter 28. He's running away from his brother. He's running away from all of his deeds of trickery, of tricking his brother out of his firstborn blessing and his firstborn portion. He is completely taking advantage of the family. So now let's read... um, Jacob is on his way. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He came to a certain place and stayed there for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth, the top of it reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And the Lord stood beside him and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. And your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed in you and your offspring. Know that I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So Jacob rose early in the morning and he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the time. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, Then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give one-tenth to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now this is um, often called Jacob's Ladder, the Stairway to Heaven. Um, Not the Led Zeppelin song, this is Jacob's song. Um... Jacob is in a, in a strange place. He's, a, he's afraid. He's afraid for his life. He's going to a place he had not been before to meet his family who he did not know and to rely on them and to rely on God to provide for him. He was in a difficult place. Many of us don't find ourselves in such a position that we don't know where our next meal is coming from, we don't know if we're going to be able to house ourselves, clothe ourselves, protect ourselves, take care of ourselves. And that's exactly where Jacob is. 
he feels alone. And he feels vulnerable. And so we are told he takes this stone and he lays his head on it. And then he sets it up as a pillar. So some scholars think that this was probably not a stone like we have here with presents written. I want to thank um, our steward, uh, Rob, for painting this for us. Um, but it was probably not a, 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 a stone the size of a pillow, but was probably, or could be, something much larger. A fairly large stone, because then we're told that he raises it up as a pillar to be a monument to God. And then he pours oil on it to bless it as an anointing from God. So this, this whole idea that this, that this place and this stone come together. Because he has rested his head on this stone, or he has used it as a, a way to protect himself. So these scholars think that it was probably a fairly large stone, and he backed up to it to protect himself, to hide. Because he didn't know where he, he, didn't, he didn't know where he was or who was around him or what would happen. And then we're, we're told that it was at this particular place that he has this dream. And there's this ladder or stairway. It looks probably the term used also kind of is the same term it's used for the ziggurats that we that we find in in Babylon. It's the pyramid, um, the step pyramid with a stairway or ramp going up it. In those in that in that ancient time, the ziggurats, the top of the ziggurat was was the heavenly place, and the bottom was the earthly place. And so this stairway represented the up and down between heaven and earth. And in this dream, Jacob is, is seeing angels ascending and descending this stairway, this ramp from heaven to earth and from earth to heaven. Back and forth, they, these angels go, these messengers from God. And so when, he, when he's looking at this and he's trying to figure all this out in this, in this complete, utter confusion, he discovers that God is next to him or over him. And he tells him, that if you, if you do as I commanded, if you follow me, if you follow my will and you follow my ways, your people will, will be going up. But if you, if you fail to do that, your people will come down like these angels who are going back and forth. Well, it's kind of a confusing Thing, this whole scene. What does it look like to, be, to watch angels ascend and descend this pyramid, this stairway, this ladder? I, I, can't, I can't imagine it. We've, I've seen paintings, I've seen images of it, but still it doesn't do it justice because I think the dream is spirit-led and spirit-provided and was so powerful and so confusing and probably quite frightening for Jacob. But then he discovers in that place, at that stone, is the presence of God. God is there. And so he wakes up, he thinks to himself, this is an important place. Not This dream has told me that this is where God, this is, this is the gate to heaven at this place. And so he calls it Bethel. He sets up this pillar. He pours oil on the pillar. And he says, this is Bethel, which means house of God. It's a gateway to heaven. 
the presence of God was felt and experienced in a powerful way in that place, at that stone. And so as we think about the stones of, of our faith, one of them is presence. We understand there's a presence of God with us. And that presence of God is with us in places we would not expect. When we are afraid, we're confused, when we're running away, when we don't know where the next meal is from, God is there. Midrash, the ancient Jewish Midrash, has this saying about prayer. That when we pray, now this, this is very important, when we pray, we find ourselves at the foot of the throne of God and God's glory. And the gates of heaven at prayer are opened up for our prayers to be received. We're in the presence of God in our prayers. Wherever we are, when we are, when we are at our wit's end and we have no place to turn, when we are confused and we are afraid and we are anxious and we're worried and, and things are just falling apart around us, and even when they're not, when we pray with our heart and our mind and our soul, we find ourselves in the presence of God's glory. And the gates of heaven have been thrown open. And it's like those, those angels ascending and descending. Our prayers are ascending and God's presence is descending to be with us in our prayers. Wherever we are. So when we're in this space and we pray, the gates of heaven are thrown open. And we're in the presence of God. We're in our home and we're at the, the supper table and we pray and we give thanks to God. The gates of heaven are thrown open. And we're in the presence of God's glory. When we're in traffic and we're angry and we're frustrated and we're on the edge of road rage and we pray, the gates of heaven are thrown open. When you're watching your team on TV and you're at your wit's end and we pray, if we earnestly pray with our heart and our soul and our mind, the gates of heaven are thrown open. When we're at a loved one's bedside and we pray with all of our heart and all of our mind and all of our soul for healing and presence and strength and peace, the gates of heaven are thrown open. And we're at the foot of God's throne. And our prayers are going up and the presence of God is coming down to meet us. When you're at the bedside of a newborn child and you pray, the gates of heaven are thrown open. Wherever we are in life, and we pray, and we find that we don't have the answer, that we don't have the solution, we don't have the strength, we don't have the wherewithal, and we pray, and the gates of heaven are thrown open, and we find God's presence, God's peace and God's strength, God's will and God's solution. That's what Jacob found. 
That's what we find every time we pray. In just a few moments, we're going to pray the great thanksgiving. It's a wonderful prayer. Because when we have communion together and we acknowledge and we give thanks for what God has done through Jesus Christ, we find ourselves at the open gates of heaven. And the power of God and the presence of Christ is with us in such a way, such a special and powerful way, Remember this. Remember God's presence in the stone of our faith that God is present with us.